All right. Good morning, guys. Again, let's pray. Stretch your hands towards me. <laughs> Lord, you have things to say this morning. Help me not to blow it. Holy Spirit, we invite you here as we talk about you. We invite you here. So come, let me speak the words you have for me and let us hear the things you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we have been going through our core values and uh, we will start up the slideshow again. And supper club again. <laughs> and here we go. Who we are and how we grow. Um, we, we have talked the first two weeks. Uh, 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 value number one, God is a good father. Value number two, Jesus is both Savior and Lord. Uh, if you haven't been there or been here, the, the, the basis behind this, this isn't a theological statement for us. Um, we, we believe in, in the Apostles' Creed. Um, you know, that, that's, I, I guess, our, our theological statement. We, ha we have certain truths, though, that we really, really cling to more than others and, and things we focus on. Um, so it, it, as far as the three members of the Trinity, these are the things that we focus on more than any other. And we, we, we feel like this is sort of a mandate, and it has been throughout the history of Christ Center. Um, and the first two are, are easier, in some sense, um, to, to think about and to talk about um, you know, it's easy to see how God the Father is God. Nobody pictures God as some, when you say God like that, like Doug Easterday does when he's messing around, God, that whole thing. Like, you know, you picture him up there and he's got the big white beard and he says, let there be light. Or else he looks like Morgan Freeman, which is even cooler. Um, and I, maybe he sounded like Morgan Freeman when he said that, because that would be awesome. Um, so we see those, and we're like, oh, that's God. We get that. I mean, we know God is God. And then you think of, like, Jesus. And I mean, man, who doesn't love Jesus? Even people who don't like God love Jesus. I mean, he's amazing. He comes down in the flesh, and, uh, and he, you know, he, he does nothing but amazing things and loves people. And then he gets nailed to a tree for doing nothing at all except loving people. And, and then he rises again and goes into heaven. Who could do that unless he was God? And we get that. We go, Jesus is God. But then you come to the Holy Spirit, and you're like, he's God. And I don't know about you, but for me, I always thought of the Holy Spirit as like diet God. Do you know what I mean? Or God light, sort of. So I'm going to share my own experiences with you this morning. I'm not going to assume that you've had all the same experiences as, as I have, but I've taken kind of a journey in how I viewed the Holy Spirit, and uh, I, I, I'm guessing that there's some of you here that can relate to that. Why did I see him as God light? Well, there were several reasons. Uh, first of all, I mean, I, I was actually raised in a charismatic sort of background. I was in youth with a mission, um, you know, always believed in, in, in working with the Holy Spirit. But I think maybe it was more cultural. Um, you know, you think of things like, uh, well, you think of Star Wars. There's got to be Star Wars fans in here, right? You know, Star Wars and George Lucas's view of a deity or his, like, created deity was the force. It was not a person. It was the force. It was this energy that you could manipulate in ways and it would do amazing things, you know? It would, you know, all the crazy things that Luke Skywalker could do or those other 
pretenders in the newer trilogy. Um, you could, you know, it's, it's an energy. And that's sort of the way I think I felt about the Holy Spirit. And culturally, I think a lot of people have sort of felt that too. He's an energy. But he's not. That's a really New Age-ish kind of thought about the Holy Spirit. He's not an energy. He's, he's, he's God. But why, why do some of us come in with that? I know not everybody has that feeling. I know. But here was the thing. When I was a young adult, a lot of the things... A lot of the people that majored on talking about the Holy Spirit were people that irritated me. <sighs> for better or for worse. Experiences that we have end up coloring even the way that we see God, which is sad, even if God had nothing to do with it. I had uh, spent some of my early adult years in, in, in Minnesota, don't you know? Oh, for cool, says Sammy. That's right. Uh, the, uh, there was a uh, traveling evangelist that would come through. And uh, so we would get our worship team together, and we would go and, uh, and listen to him and be a part. And it was one of these, they would say, we're having revival meetings all this week. It was like you just put, like, revival. And, oh, if you say we're having revival meeting, this, anyway, whatever. Um, I always thought it was hokey, but. Um, so you come, and now this, this man, he would speak. Um, there would be worship, and then he would pray for people, and weird stuff would happen. You know what I'm talking about? So, of course, you know what I'm talking about. So here I am as, as a young adult, and I see some of the ways that some of the people that would come. And this is, it was I would see the same desperate, super emotional people that would come to every single meeting. And they would be doing all kinds of stuff that to me, I'm like, oh, come on. Seriously? Uh, you know, you know you, you'd see people falling over and you'd see people doing this, you know, stomach crunches as we call them, you know. Uh, you'd see people doing all these things. And, and I didn't know how to react to this because to me it looked a little hokey. But here was the kicker. You know, a lot of people would, he'd pray over people and they would fall over. And I, I you know, went up for prayer and was trying to be open-minded and he started trying to push me. Don't push me! Has that happened to anybody else, brother? Yeah? All right, okay, yeah, that's good, that's good. So I'm not, you know, it's sort of what I'm talking about. I'm like, don't do that. And so I saw those things and then I, then I would hear him say things like, the Lord healed that person, and that means now he's under obligation to heal you. And that hit, like, all of my buttons. I said, hold on just a second, Jack. His name wasn't Jack. <laughs> God's not under obligation to do anything for anybody. So I had these experiences, and they ended up coloring the way that I saw the Holy Spirit, for better or for worse, um, and mostly, uh, mostly for worse, actually. Um, so I became frustrated with those um, so as a result, I, I saw him as, as God-light, you know, and, and didn't quite take him as seriously. But our core value is this. The Holy Spirit is active. Um, I, I came to see that I was actually doing the thing. We have sort of a joke in the office about how I hate it when anyone tries to pigeonhole me. Um, Janelle tries to do it constantly. He always tries to put me in a box. I say, stop it. Just kidding. Um, see what he did there? I see what you did there. Clever, clever. I realized I was pigeonholing God in some ways. Pigeonholing Holy Spirit, to be specific. 
So if the Holy Spirit's going to be real and he's going to be active, he has to look like he did in these revival meetings, which I thought were kind of messed up in some ways. But the fact is, the scriptural view of the Holy Spirit is not narrow. It is actually extremely broad. He does a bunch of stuff. Can I show you? Look what Jesus himself said. This is Jesus as he's leaving his apostles. I am going to him who sent me, and, uh, and none of you ask me where are you going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but of whatever he hears, he will speak. He will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All the things the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Look at what he's saying. You see all the things he's telling you the Holy Spirit's about to do? This is amazing. He, he convicts the world of sin and righteousness. He will guide you into truth. He'll speak He'll speak the words that, uh, that he's given, just like Jesus says, I speak what my Father tells me, right? It's the same thing. Uh, he will glorify me. Uh, all of these things, and he'll, he'll reveal the ways of God. Amazing. Now, that's, that's only one verse. Let me just give you oh, just a, a handful of stuff here. I'm already lost in my notes. Good night. All right. A handful of other things. There's lists of, of, of things the Holy Spirit does, and it's verse after verse after verse. He convicts the world of sin, right? He guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit regenerates us, Titus 3, 5. He glorifies and testifies of Christ, John 15, 26. He reveals Christ to us. He sanctifies us, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. He empowers us. He fills us. He washes and renews us. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee and deposit of future resurrection. He seals us until the day of redemption. He sets us free from the law of sin and death. He quickens our mortal bodies. He reveals deep things from God. Shall I go on? There's a bunch of things the Holy Spirit does. And it's all throughout the New Testament. So, it didn't make a whole lot of sense for me. This is what I'm trying to tell you. It didn't make a whole lot of sense for me to link all of my feelings about the Holy Spirit to this negative meeting that I was at. Do you know what I mean? That is taking a very narrow experience and superimposing it on God who is broad and does a whole bunch of stuff. So I wasn't sure what to do um, about this, but um, over time I started to... Uh, I started to study. You know, study is a good thing. This is where you all nod. Just, just humor me here. Study is a good thing, isn't it? All the college students are like, uh-uh. Um, I, I, I started to become humble, er, humbler. I started to be humiliated, really, is what it was. <laughs> I started looking at history and all the crazy things that God's done over the years. First of all, in the book of Acts itself, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. You all know this verse. 
Suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, ah, come on. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, and when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and was bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that they each hear them in our own language to which we were born? This doesn't make sense. This is impossible. What is happening? And they all continued uh, in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others were mocking them, saying, they're full of sweet wine. That's the first major instance of the Holy Spirit. And this looked silly. Evidently, they all thought they were drunk. I started looking, does this still happen? Because many of you know there's, there's a, a, a lot of people who love the Lord, but don't believe the Holy Spirit still does stuff. And I started looking in history, going, well... Um, and doing some studies on, on revival in, in our Bible school and was looking at stuff that happened in the first Great Awakening when you had men like Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield and John Wesley preaching to thousands of people and some of the crazy stuff that would happen sometimes that you cannot explain. You're going, what in the world was that? And then the second Great Awakening with Charles Grandison Finney. And, and, and then there was a, something that happened in the 1800s on the tail end of the Second Great Awakening when these prayer meetings started breaking out like all over the country. There wasn't even one preacher who was spearheading these things. They just started breaking out all over the country. And you read reports of what was happening and people were freaked out. They're like, well, a whole bunch of people just fell down like they were dead for eight hours and they got up completely changed. We don't know what to make of that. We don't have a file for that. But it happened. I thought, well, that's interesting. Because Charles Finney and John Wesley, those guys were smart. They're incredibly smart. And here they are buying into all this. Actually, here they are preaching, and this stuff is happening as they preach. So what do I do with that? We kept looking at stuff like Azusa Street. You guys ever heard about Azusa Street? Some of the incredible things that happened there. Good night. There's hardly a, a, a modern movement in the, in the modern uh, charismatic evangelical world that didn't have its roots at Azusa streets. You wouldn't have so many of the things we take for granted today, including things like Youth with a Mission, without Azusa Street. It was an incredible outpouring of the Lord in the early 1900s. So here I am scratching my head going, I don't know. This is weird. But okay, God, here's the thing. Some of these people are just odd, and I don't know what to do with that. Then I heard Winky Prattney, my favorite evangelist, talking about Catherine Coleman. You guys ever heard of Catherine Coleman? <laughs> he was at a Catherine Coleman meeting. She was in the 1950s, a healing evangelist. And he said that there would be groups, you know, hundreds or thousands of people in these auditoriums waiting for her. And she, they, he said there's no way they were waiting for her. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit because she was the most irritating lady. It would just be grating. He said they're sitting there like she made them wait like 20 or 30 minutes and then she comes out and she's wearing this frilly gown and, I was just like, and she's like prancing across the stage like, hello, were you waiting for me? And they're like, oh, stop, stop. And then she'd go, the Holy Spirit's moving over there. And then like people would start falling over and over there. 
So here you have this, and everyone's on edge. Here's Winky as a young man here watching all of this, and there's this old dude in front of him who's sitting with his wife, and he goes like this. I can hear. I can hear. Sing my here. Like right in front of him, this is happening. This man who is deaf gets his hearing back right here. Why? What in the world? And he's saying incredible stuff happened right here. Now, what do we learn from that? Because I'll tell you, there are some times when I turn on the television <laughs> and I go, ah, no, turn it. It's a Christian channel. I know, but I can't handle it. What do we learn from all of this? Well, I had to come to some conclusions. And here was the first conclusion. This is... Uh, Stolen from Winky Prattney, and I thought he was exactly right. The first conclusion is that God is God and I am not. Oh. Oh. I think this might be the biggest truth that any of us will ever learn. God is God and I am not. Now, just last week we talked about the, the commands of Christ and how sometimes they offend us. They get in our way. They're inconvenient for us, but we have to remember he is the king. He is God and we are not. And I suggest to you the same is true of the Holy Spirit. He is God. He will do things that we might not like, but he is God and I am not. Therefore, there's, I, I, I don't think he's as concerned with propriety as I am. That was a big deal to me. Lord, this isn't dignified. I, you know what I think he was saying? So? So he uses some incredibly colorful people like Catherine Coleman. You're like, can she stop? Can she please just talk normal? Can she stop dancing all over the place or turning this into some weird show? But you know what? The Lord still chose to work incredible things through her. I think it means he's not as concerned as propri with propriety and dignity, as it, at least as I am. Thirdly, he does not need to ask my permission to act. <laughs> this should flow naturally from number one, shouldn't it? Because he's God and I'm not. But I still think, okay, God, you healed that person but you did it with that really obnoxious preacher who did like a kick in the air when he said, hey, and then he's like healed, and you're like, okay, God, thank you for healing. That was good. But that was not good, and I wish that you had just run this by me before you allowed that to happen because then I wouldn't be embarrassed right now. <sighs> Can anyone relate to this? Okay, good. I thought maybe this was just me. Oh. I really wish he would ask me because I'd have some great ideas. <laughs> he's God. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not God-light. And if that's true, if he's God full-on, if he's original God with all the carbs, then guys, we don't get to choose those things. Do you hear me? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you. So finally, I, 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 was, I was humbled by, by some of these experiences, and I started thinking um, about, well, I guess, I guess maybe I should start, like, being more open to this. I mean, I'm a YWAMer. I am. I do believe in these things, but it's just... <clears throat> I want to I be a thinking kind of Christian. I don't want to be one of those feelers. <sighs> Just sit tight. I want to be a thinking Christian. And so I, I, was, I, was, uh, I moved, as you all know, to, to Mendocino, California, to a new YWAM venture. And I, I got to know uh, uh, my leader there named Nathan Wagner. And Nathan is one of the smartest men I've ever met. He's, he's like a mad scientist with ideas. He's got an English uh, master's degree from Harvard. And he, we just, I, I would just pick his brain because he's brilliant. And you know what he's into? He's making this massive journey in, 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 in following the Holy Spirit and taking risks with miracles and looking like an idiot. Like, is it a, it's okay to do that? Is it a, because you're smart. Like, are you? And slowly, over the next couple of months, I started going, okay, well. I don't have to, like, turn in my smart card, do I? Because he didn't. He didn't stop thinking. In fact, it seemed to go completely in step with the stuff that he taught and with all of our conversations. Because, you see, if you're starting from a place that God is infinite and he can do all things, then, well, shouldn't that stand to reason that he could do amazing miracles still today? Shouldn't that stand to reason? And slowly I started to realize this is a false dichotomy that we've created in our culture, and I completely bought into it, that you have to either think or feel, that you have to either uh, buy into the spirit or truth, you know, you know, like it's either experience or reason. Why do we think that? I don't understand it. And as I look back at all these great men who were, who were seeing these great moves of God, it, it's my, things started to crumble, you know, these things that I'd created, this dividing wall. And then you start thinking about the Apostle Paul himself, the greatest theologian in the history of the world. And he's been taken up to the third heaven. He's raising people from the dead after he preached a boring sermon. He's, he's, he's seeing all of these things, left and right, the Holy Spirit coming, doing amazing things through him, and he didn't seem to have a problem with any of that. If you think that you have to choose between using your head or stepping into experience, your thinking is wrong. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Thinking is a good thing, and we need to use it. We need to use it. God gave us our brains. But if you stop there, and you, you're too scared to step into experience, and you're missing out on what a whole bunch of the Holy Spirit has for you, and vice versa. It's supposed to be together, you see? Reason and experience are supposed to go together. We need not be afraid of that. So, I started to experience more things, and this crazy group of crazy young people came down to our YWAM base, and they did this thing. They were doing these meetings and saying, we're going to be, you know, given words of knowledge, and we're going to be praying over, we're going to get prophecy, and we're going to be praying for healing and all these things. One guy had this long, flowing, blonde mane. I was scared of him. I'm still scared of him. I've seen him a couple other times. 
And here they are giving these, like, things. Well, the whole meeting starts out. This is what after my son Samuel was born. It was, like, just a couple weeks after, and he had this heart condition. And he's like, I'm getting this picture of this tiny little heart with, like, a pinhole in it. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. How did you know that? How did? He couldn't have known that. Okay, he couldn't have known that. Well, then we're praying for, for people around. At this point, I'm okay. I'm starting to pick up a little steam. We're praying uh, for people who are sick here, and one of them was this Baptist pastor that was a dear friend of ours, and he had had a bad knee for like 20 years. So we start praying for him, and he's like, huh, huh. I step out here. I said, Doug, you okay? And I follow him out, and he starts doing this. Well, I'll be. <laughs> and I'm like following him, like running with him. I'm like, how does it feel? It's amazing. Well, huh. This is a girl who had this, like, glass, a uh, piece of glass that had been, she'd been in some accident, car accident years before, piece of glass, like, wedged into her scalp, and it just stayed there forever, and hair grew over it. She got prayed over. The glass was gone. Why? I don't know. But God, that's kind of weird. Yeah. But she was fine. Yeah, she was. Now she's more fine. What's the problem? Then they do this thing called a fire tunnel. You guys know what a fire tunnel is? First of all, fire tunnel is not in the Bible. Fire tunnel, there's lots of things that are not in the Bible that does not make them unscriptural, friends. Brushing your teeth isn't in the Bible either. Yet we all do it and nobody feels bad. Fire tunnel is basically people line up on two sides and they're laying hands on you and praying things like the Holy Spirit will encounter you and you walk through and you, they're all touching you, which even for me is kind of a big deal. I'm not a toucher. Anyway, it was fine. It was okay. I'm like, all right, this is going to be good. Now, golden-haired guy, main guy, he's, he's doing this as they're praying. He's like, he's laughing. He's, ha, ha, ha. He's doing that. <laughs> Literally. He's doing, he's like, ha, ha, ha. And they're like, people are praying, get him, Lord, like, more, Lord, all these things. And he's like, ha, ha, ha. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I started thinking, I've been pushed before. I've been pushed before by somebody trying to get me to react to the Holy Spirit. So listen here, Mr. Goldilocks. <laughs> I get over. I'm just walking through. And he goes, Bzzz, and here's what happened to me. <laughs> Thank you for being there, catching me. You guys, my entire equilibrium, it was like gravity for a second shifted to the left. I swear. It was the weirdest thing. I like was thrown over here. I land in the chairs, and I'm like, and I look up, because this is a big emotional time for me after I realize my son's heart condition and everything. I, I just like feel this peace and this joy of the Lord, and I'm like, what in the world happened? I look up, and here's our entire staff pointing at me going, Jason's down! Jason's down! Now, I don't get it. So? <laughs> so? He's God, and I'm not. 
Sometimes he does things. I hear stories of other people saying, here's what God did. This was happening. This was. I'm like, oh, come on. Why in the world? I'm not. I'm not God. I'm not God. Now that comes as a shock to you guys. I am not God. You see, there's something else that always stuck with me that I heard Winky Prattney say. It was this. What do you think is going to happen when the infinite touches a finite body? Now think about that. Probably a whole bunch of people would react in different ways. What happens when the infinite touches a finite body? You can't predict it. The finite body could shake. It might be overcome with joy. It might be overwhelmed with the sorrow of repentance. It might relax with peace. It might look so outlandishly silly that someone might come up and say, are you drunk with wine? It's only the ninth hour of the day. Do you see what I'm talking about? You cannot discount something the Lord's doing on the basis of how silly it looked. Otherwise, we all need to take Acts 2 right out of our Bible because we know it looked silly and we knew it was awkward and it was probably very off-putting the way that some of those people were yelling and laughing and screaming and preaching the gospel. He's speaking in my language, but he says it's like a bad accent on it. We'll all find something, won't we? Here's what I'm telling you. People sometimes ask, are you guys a woo-woo church? <sighs> Look, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we're that crazy here. I really don't. Um, and part of me is comfortable with that because I'm not, I'm not like him. <laughs> I don't dance so much in worship, but I love that guy. Now, the Holy Spirit does different things when he touches me and when he touches him. Sometimes it's completely in step with who we are. And sometimes I think he just likes to, like, tickle us. <laughs> you thought you were Mr. Dignified Propriety. Well, maybe we'll do something about that. Are we a woo-woo church? I, I don't see us as a woo-woo church. But let me tell you this. This church was actually founded. One of the reasons this church was founded is because there was a group of believers, a couple of you are here, who decided to start meeting in a barn because the Holy Spirit was doing big things and the church didn't know what to do with you. In fact, it caused such strife that even Pastor John's family for a time was, was isolated and, and, and it didn't even speak for like a few years because of what happened. In other words, we have a heritage here. We have a heritage that we trust the Holy Spirit. And he does stuff sometimes that we don't understand. And we don't need to understand him. Does this mean we're going off the cliff in some weirdo tank? I don't think so, guys. We're not checking our brains at the door. We're going to continue to be renewed, uh, transformed by the renewal of our mind. We're going to stay and step in relationship with people from all different streams of Christianity. We have dear pastor friends from all around the community, some of which wouldn't buy into at all what I'm saying today, but I'm saying this is this house, our house. As for this house, we will be open to what the Holy Spirit does. Even if it makes us flinch a little bit. Here's what I want to tell you, because I know <clears throat> that some of you guys have felt similar things, and some can relate to what I'm saying. I want to tell you this. You do not have to be afraid. You do not have to be afraid. I love 
what Paul says in Philippians. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you think this could be true of us as we seek the Holy Spirit more? I think so. I think this is a beautiful promise saying, don't worry. You're not going to some new age trip here. But the Holy Spirit is active even today. So will we take his hand? That's the question. Will we take his hand? Will you take his hand? Let's stand. I want to specifically speak to you guys who have trepidation in this area. I don't even need you to raise your hands. You don't need to broadcast this. But if you do, I want to pray over you right now. So let's all put our hands on your heart, and you guys especially, I want to pray over you. Lord Jesus, we trust you. We trust you, Jesus. We trust in your goodness. And Jesus, we ask you, we ask you to surround us and protect us from our own fears. Lord, if he's one with you, if the Holy Spirit is one with you, help us to embrace that truth. Because if he's one with you, then we can't go wrong. So Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would melt away the trepidation, you'd melt away all the bad experiences, all the overdone things, all the crazy things that people have said, all the manipulation in the past, all the pushing, <laughs> physical and emotional, all the pushing to embrace, to accept, all the pressure, all of those things. Holy Spirit, we ask you to melt those things away because we want to be one with you and we want to receive the things you have for a hurting world that desperately needs to encounter you. You guys, so this is why we seek his gifts. Not so we can have play fun time. We seek his gifts because the world needs an encounter with Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he has a way of slicing through all the intellectual buildup, all the arguments, all the history, all the emotional pain, all of those things. He has a way of cutting through those things and getting straight to their heart and winning them for Jesus. That is why we seek him. That is why we say, come Holy Spirit and do your thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's give him a hand. That may have been my favorite word on the Holy Spirit I've ever heard. That was good, wasn't it? Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Our dear friends, Beth and James, are going to be at the table here. They have some information. Should you feel compelled to want to stand with them as they go into Mongolia and serve this people? A couple of the unique things in Mongolia, actually, is that the fathers are absolutely absentee in that country. Everything is left to the women. 
It's a, it's, an, it's a wild situation. They're stepping into wanting to engage this culture with the kingdom mindset that both men and women partner together to carry the, the weight and the responsibility for family and for taking that nation out of poverty. So they're engaged in a great work, and, for, and we want to stand with them. We're going to continue to walk in relationship and prayer. Uh, we're going to be praying about um, how, how we will partner with them in the future. But some of you I know were compelled to say, wow, I feel like there's something on this for me. I'm, I'm supposed to be a part of this. Please come and shake their hand and meet them. And if you have time tonight, 5 o'clock at the Mills home, and just bring a side dish. We're going to roast some hot dogs over the fire, have a wonderful time, and you could have some, some one-on-one time, play a little volleyball or what have you. So we're just going to have a great time tonight. We're going to ask that the uh, prayer servant team would come up. If there's anyone here who needs healing in their body, who wants encouragement, maybe needs a word of knowledge, or you'd like to be prayed for to receive this Holy Spirit that Jason just preached about in greater measure. They're available and willing and desiring to pray with you. God bless you. Please take a card and invite someone to come to church next week. They're on the information table. You guys have a wonderful day.